Hello and welcome back to What Do You Know For Sure podcast with me, Anne Hughes. In this week's episode, I was joined by Natalie Truesdale as we talked about your figure, about your body image, about how thinness doesn't equal health or happiness. It was really fascinating conversation and one that really had some reflections for myself that I think I have to go away and think about after having this conversation with Natalie. So yeah, definitely a thought-provoking conversation. I hope that you enjoy Natalie, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm excited, thank you. Tell us a bit about you. Uh, a bit about me. So, I am based in England, a bit further down than yourself. So, I have two daughters. I live with my partner, been together quite a while. And I do self-esteem coaching. It's kind of what I do for work. I've done many things, mm-hmm. uh, many, many things. But that is um, that is my go-to passion that I'm up to at the minute. Um, because it is super, super important to me. Probably because I had girls. Yeah. I had girls, and I know I used to really struggle a lot with self-esteem and body image. So, um, so yeah, that is kind of what I get up to. And watching a lot of reading thrillers and watching any kind of thriller uh-huh. program I can get my hands on. Oh, oh good for you, because my rule always is, if it's going to scare me or make me cry, I'm not watching it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good that's good for you and I know you've already said that you love the question so tell me Natalie what do you know for sure do you know there's a lot of things I definitely don't know for sure but the one thing from my experience that I know for sure and I'm pretty sure we can all relate to it is that thinness doesn't equal health or happiness that is something that took me a long time to be sure of but something I am quite hard fixed on these days so what I'm interested because you said you've got two daughters. Yeah, I have two daughters too. Well, sixteen and twenty, so they're not both teenagers anymore. So I totally get being in that conversation in that space. I also carry holiday pounds. I don't judge myself too harshly for them, but I think it's really interesting about what people perceive to be healthy, isn't it? Yeah. How did you come to know this? I came to know it from having very disordered eating, from having body dysmorphia. Um, and constantly, constantly, constantly needing, I'm not even going to say wanting, needing to be thin. It was kind of my absolute sense of worth and purpose. Um, and I'll be honest, it seemed like the only thing that p- other people seemed to see as a quality in me. It's like what I got all my compliments for. So, yeah, so I spent a long time trying to stay thin. Because I've, I've been born in a small body, I'm still in a relatively small body, so mine was a fight. We come from different angles, don't we? Like, there's a fight to get thin, because we think it will bring us all these magical things, and then there's a fight to stay thin when we get there. Yeah. And either way, it's a battle that none of us enjoy, and most of us are pretty unhealthy going about it as well. Yeah. I reflect when I had my, my brain injury in 2017, and... I've been a yo-yo dieter, I suppose, until that point in my life. So I was 41 at that age stage. And after it, when I was getting better, I sort of, I was like, my body saved my life. And actually, like, my arteries were lovely and wide open. 
so that they could go through my arteries to fix my brain, which is how they did it. And so I was perfect healthy. My blood pressure was very low, which also contributed to saving my life because they couldn't operate for nine days. So I was in a coma and the blood could have rushed out if I had high blood pressure, but I didn't. And so I think, so even though I carry the extra pounds, I had lovely low blood pressure and my arteries were lovely and wide open because I've never smoked. I would probably put that down too. And I think, then when I was, as I was getting better and at first I couldn't walk and stuff like that but when that all came back I then remember thinking you you really had a battle with your own body so much of the time and you were not grateful for it and it was your body that saved you and so treat it better I have to say the pandemic did put paid to the, the, the pounds probably but I said I will never go to a diet club again I will never do that obsessing over I lost one and a half pounds this week, which let's face it, could have been you did a big shite that morning that morning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? So I thought I will never do that obsessing again because it's not yeah. a good it's not a good brain space for anybody to be in. And I watch people diet all the time. And I said to somebody recently, Are you just gonna be on a diet for the rest of your life? Are you mm-hmm. gonna deprive yourself for the rest of your life? And they were quite stunned at the very thought of it. Yeah. Because people don't ask themselves that, but really in that moment, I bet they thought, God, yeah, probably. How how shit is that? I know. I know. Yeah. And while I agree, it is healthier to lose weight and to not carry a lot of extra pounds. But other people that are skinny have got a lot worse habits, I would say, than a lot of people that are carrying extra pounds. Yeah, but we're trained, aren't we? We're trained to look at people and then by looking at their figure, we decide whether they're healthy or unhealthy. Uh-huh. And so many people who kind of like come into my space, whether it's like people I would work with or just conversation with friends or like whatever it might be, it's like, oh, I want to get really healthy. And the first thing that comes up is, so I'm going to lose weight. And I'm like, right, okay. So, and they might not be sleeping well. They're struggling with anxiety. Like they make no time for themselves. Like there's so many other things going on, but the default is, so therefore lose weight is our go-to number one, particularly for women and most of the time, that really isn't the priority. It's so many other things. Do you know what I actually, one of my daughters told me? That diet culture actually has its roots in racism. Because diet culture was obviously created in America, like most things like this. And yeah. it was so that women didn't look like a black woman would more traditionally look more curvaceous, bigger bums, etc. Yeah. Therefore, you must be slim, you must look different. And actually, I think, therefore, when... When we buy into that, we don't actually even realise what we're buying into. We're buying into racism. That's what it was founded on. I don't know if you've ever heard that or if you've any thoughts on that. Yeah. I don't, I've, not, I've not heard that, actually. But it, it would serve to to be somewhere where it would come from. And I think, like, as you go across different cultures, weight has different things, isn't it? Like yeah. In some cultures, having a curvy body or having a large body or a thinner body or, like, they're all like some cultures prefer one to the other yeah i think um it's it's a bit of a minefield isn't it Cause i don't know if you've ever seen the posts um on instagram and places where it's like diet cultures either abusive through the years and it changes all the time so it's like oh please now have a flat stomach now you want small boobs now actually big boobs are in so can we have some of them please and actually now have a big ass now have a small ass oh. and it's like you can we're not a trend are we like our bodies aren't a trend i wonder if you you follow there's a woman who's been on the podcast actually called uh, julie crayfield and she had a page and i don't know if she's still doing it i think she does something and it was something called what fat girls running and this woman is you know a curvy lady but runs marathons 
Yeah, her assumption is that if you've got any to run a marathon, you have to be a beanpole. But she does run marathons, but she's also got a curvy body. And yet her perception of that is that that is a juxtaposition that you can't understand how the two things go together, which is ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But if you think, I mean, it ends up becoming like a bit of a self-fulfilling thing, isn't it? Because you think of all the women out there who probably think, oh, I'm in a larger body, I can't run a marathon, or... I'm too old, I can't run a marathon, whatever we tell ourselves, we then don't do it. And then all the other women are thinking the same. So when we watch the marathon, that's there's only young, thin women running and we go, see, see, exactly. there's no larger women running. And that's because we're all sat here, all sat there in like fear of doing it because that's not what we do. And it's and then all we do then is reinforce the fact that, oh, you know, people like us don't do this, like whatever it is. And it's just honestly the fittest people I know all have different body shapes. Absolutely. And even if we're like really physically fit, it doesn't mean we're healthy. Like there's so, health is such a complicated thing. We can't put it down to one thing ever. We can't at all. And I think it's interesting, and I'm not going to remember the facts here just now, but BMI is also, is what your body mass index, I believe is built on false sort of a science. Because not everybody's, body structure like you said you're in an actually small body i've been five foot ten since i was nine <laughs> right so uh, you know i naturally have a larger frame because that's just who yeah. how i was born and i think we we look at bmi as if it's the same for everybody and it's not and i think it has been debunked people have said if you google it people have said bmi isn't actually a valid measure of people's health and yet people yeah. are so obsessed by that. If you're like literally two stone overweight, then you're obese on the BMI scale. And it's like, oh, my God. So then people have to deal with the fact that the BMI scale is telling them they're obese and they're looking at themselves and they're thinking, this is not what I think obese is. I go yeah. out working every day. I eat good food all week and I just have a takeaway on a Saturday. Do you know, Abba, I don't smoke and I don't drink. And, uh, uh, uh. But BMI says you're obese. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, I think the BMI was invented basically for men, isn't it? And it's still most things that women like, anything sciencey around that diet culture uses has generally been created with the idea of men in mind. We yeah. definitely don't have the same bodies or the same physiques. No. And like you said, I think, God, when I was probably about um, oh, 21, say, quite a while ago now, exactly like you, I was like, oh my God, I looked at it. I think I was like nine stone. And I looked at it, it was telling me I was like borderline, like well into the overweight because I'm only five foot two. Uh-huh. So I'm looking, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, like this is horrific. And I didn't, before I looked at that, I didn't see a problem in myself. The second I looked at that and got told by a random piece of paper or a calculator on the computer, all of a sudden I hated myself. <sighs> and I was like, how, how, like, you, literally in that moment, because something has told me that I'm that way. I'm like, oh, well, maybe I am. Maybe maybe that's, maybe I'm not okay. So I think with BMI, it's a funny thing because I think even if we know BMI is a load of bollocks, we can't, I think some people still think, well, yeah, but people are just saying that to make us feel better by the fact that we're a bit chubby. And I think people like actually just think that people are saying it just to kind of make everything okay, rather than the fact that it's actually true, that it's just, Right. nonsense mm-hmm. and tells us nothing about anything when i get on my high horse which i do quite often as you can probably imagine <coughs> Natalie, um i think this is just a ploy from the patriarchy to keep women distracted by other stuff 
They want us to be distracted by our fucking uncomfortable shoes for a start and our body and what size we are and whether or not it is palatable for them. For me to be sitting there as a size 12 or as a size 20, there's judgment in that. So I have to somehow take accountability of the fact you're judging me, pal. Really? I mean, so that would be me getting on to being ranting feminist probably about it, which I'm very proud to be sometimes. Do you know that? I'm very proud feminist. But do you ever feel like that? Like it's almost like the cards are just stacked against women all the time. Because you're either you're too fat, you're too thin. You've got too big a boobs, you've not got enough boobs. You've got a wrinkly face. Oh yeah. no, your face is actually too fat. Your hair's grey. Oh no, why do you keep dyeing your hair? I mean, it is like endless, isn't it? Yeah. And I think like we're never going to please everyone. Let us have it straight. We We could create what we think is like the ideal body and appearance. Half population probably won't like it. And exactly like you said, I think a lot of it comes down to control thing, like mm. wanting people. Because in, in essence, that's what it is. It's literally encouraging people to feel paranoid about themselves so that you can sell them on changing cream, so that you can sell them the need to this, so that they can, you know, worry and kind of not feel good enough, so that then you can play with them like little puppet masters, <laughs> which mm. is kind of what happens, isn't it? You know, every time we're sold something with the name of health attached to it, it's bollocks isn't it it's just someone further higher up is going right i want to sell this stuff and how can i possibly manipulate women into feeling like they have to have it oh i know what i'll do i'll just i'll push that trigger point of them feeling unattractive and not good Mm. enough i wonder if it's sort of just like how society has in some way developed that actually the way we're talking about it it encourages to us as women to become quite self-obsessed like if i like my body and I feel that my body is in an all right state, and you know I'm doing all right, then does it matter what anybody else thinks? Does it matter what society thinks? Actually, are society even looking at me and judging me? Because they're all too busy looking at themselves and judging themselves. So we become quite self-obsessed, and we think everybody's got something to say about the way we show up in the world, whether that be in our bodies, our hair, our outfits, our opinions, everything else. We become It's actually encouraged us to become quite like inward looking hasn't it oh absolutely and it's funny because there's um a while ago um probably going back about years and years about nine years i've been with my partner for 12 years um and when we first got together i was really in the swing of it's all about me and how i look and all that all that jazz and i remember once we were going we were going to a party or something um so obviously all the paranoia is kicking in do i look fat what do you think oh well looking for like the constant reassurance and affirmation which is exhausting for everyone (laughs) And I remember we got that, and I always used to hold the door open for people, which just made me look super polite. It was nothing to do with politeness, Anne. It was all about not wanting to walk in a room first because I didn't want everyone to turn around and look at me. And I remember my partner said to me, honestly, Natalie, you are so self-focused. And I was like, what are you on about? I'm not selfish. He went, no, I didn't call you selfish. You're not a selfish person. I said you're self-focused. And I'm like, I don't understand what the difference is. (laughs) But it feels like you just insulted me. Right. So basically, he was saying, like, if you think everything's about you, you walk in a room, you think everyone's going to look at you and be like, oh, my God, Natalie's here. He said, I love these pieces, but you're not, you're not that amazing. Like, you're not, you're not the be-all and end-all of everyone's existence. I was like, he said, people aren't, aren't thinking about you all the time, you know. And I was like, they're not. Oh, man. Well, so they were. You know, because in my head, I walk in the room, everyone looks at me and makes a judgment. Natalie looks shit. Natalie looks good. Natalie looks like she's lost weight. Natalie looks like she's put on weight. That dress looks awful. In my mind, every single person in that room 
is thinking something about me on an aesthetical level. And of course they're not. They might turn around and go, oh, Nat's here. Uh, can I have a white wine, Sauvignon Blanc? <laughs> That's exactly. all they're doing. That is it. Exactly. But, and it's oh, just like, you know, this is why I love this podcast, because having these conversations and then other people listening to these conversations, it's like we both know this to be true, but we both yeah. fall into the same pit yeah. all the time. And I'm sort of trying to be in a place where, you know, my body's doing everything I ask it to do. I work damn hard. I'm alive. I've got my wee platinum implant in my brain. I go for my checkups. Everything's looking good. I'm lucky. I am golden. I am living a good life. And yet I really want to get hung up about the fact that I might need to get a bigger size in something. And that could also be, let's be honest, I'm 48 now. That could also be just because gravity's starting to play a hand in things. So your body shape's changing. Yeah, and as I've probably said it in the podcast before, you do reach an age where you have to pick between your ass and your face. Because if I was that to lose a lot say, of weight, yeah. then whew, the jibbles. I'd rather have. I'd rather have a big ass and no have jibbles. I'll be quite honest with you. Oh, absolutely. And do you think that because obviously with with everything that that went on with you and then having the operation, I know you said like at that point you like maybe felt a little bit more appreciation for your body. So do you think actually if that hadn't happened? You'd still be more. I would still, still be a, a yo-yo thing. dieter, yeah. And yeah. I just I don't do it. So there'll be times like just now when I'm thinking, right, maybe I should cut down in the cakes a wee bit, right? But I'm never like I'm. I don't weigh myself. I don't have scales. I've got two girls. I don't yeah. think it's healthy necessarily to have my daughters on and off scales all the time. So we don't weigh ourselves. Interestingly, one of my daughters has now her and her friends now have put no value in food or like, oh my god, what are you eating? Or, you know, they don't have a value on if you're eating a bag of chips or you're eating a salad. It doesn't matter. Eat what you want to eat. It doesn't matter. And I think it's in those spaces we can really learn from the younger generation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, and I think if everyone isn't doing doing their little bit to just make people well. I know my kids sometimes will come back from school. I mean, they're six and eight. So they'll come back from school sometimes and, you know, we'll eat food and then, you know, Pudding might come out and they're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to have any of that more. I'm being healthy today. And I'm like, deep breath, deep breath. And I'm like, all right, okay. So, well, look, let's, just so we're clear, <laughs> um, it might not be very nutritional, but you can enjoy it and still be healthy. Like, healthy is like, just balance, a little bit of everything. Like, of course, we shouldn't eat pizza all day, but of course, we shouldn't eat apples all day either. Like, you're not going to get everything out of either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, when we start attaching the meaning to things, and I think that's where the problem comes. If I eat ice cream, it means I am a fat pig and I'm unattractive if I eat salad it means I'm healthy and beautiful like we tell ourselves it means something by chewing something in our mouths and it does not at all exactly and like I love eating I have a really sweet tooth I have a savoury tooth (laughs) I have like all of it going on my my actually I mean being able to stop going on the scales like you said was like it was traumatic for me like I used to get on when I woke up because that was the best time to go on, because obviously I haven't eaten for hours. I'd like make sure I wasn't wearing anything, you know, to get maximum, best numbers I could possibly get. And I would like, and I would do this throughout the day. I would get back on at lunchtime, back on at tea time. I'd do it before I went to bed, just to check in with whether, you know, whether I needed to like get more control over myself in any way, shape or form. And I would literally manipulate my day. So if I got on at tea time before I ate food, and I was like, oh, God, you know, you put in a couple of pounds during the day. Like you said, probably just need to go to the toilet. I'd be like, oh, I can't eat that lasagna. Well, if I can't, I'm definitely going to have the garlic bread if I do. And I used to, like, manipulate what I would do. Wow. 
based on this. So literally getting off the scales was something like really quite traumatic because I'll start I'll start to think, well, I don't I don't know what I weigh now. I don't I don't know. And that sense of not feeling in control I found really difficult. And even when I was pregnant with my elder, so she was eight in January, I got pregnant and I was like, okay, this is gonna challenge me. And I'd been doing a lot of work on myself anyway, but I was by no means like there yet. And I was like, right, okay, because obviously everyone's like, yeah, oh, your body will never be the same when you've had kids. Like, oh, you're getting all the stuff. And I was paranoid to say the least. And I was, you know, I was allowing myself to eat more of the things I would not normally allow myself to eat. Great or well and good. But th- what I was doing was finding workouts. I've always, I've always exercised. Yeah. And I used to do it for fun. And like do netball and stuff. And then it became about calorie burning only. Um, and getting a my arse and all that stuff and I've had to like come back and try and rebuild it again so in that middle bit where I was I was like finding first trimester workout second trimester because I thought I don't want to harm my baby by doing anything I shouldn't be doing but at the same time I must still work out on a daily basis so I was finding all these workouts and to everyone else like oh my god like you're taking such good care of yourself like such good care of your baby like oh you're doing all the workouts I don't know if I've got the motivation I'm thinking sweetheart I'm just following that track that little chart that says to me how many pounds on average you should put on during pregnancy. And I'll tell you what, if I'm two pounds over, hell's going to break loose. And I was literally like trying to keep with the curve wow. so that I wasn't putting on too much weight when pregnant. How messed up is that? I know. And it's like we track these numbers like, I don't know, like we're obsessed by them. Uh-huh. And I think numbers like they don't tell you all the things that you think they're telling you. Like they don't literally mean anything apart from you said just literally what gravity is pushing on me today and that's about it and I think it's about I often speak about how my internal dialogue is really it's really top notch I'm very nice to myself apart from around weight probably not weight how I would look in a dress if I pick a dress it's maybe just not my style so that's the only part where I would say sometimes I have to pull myself up but I think like you having that dialogue in your own head about I can't put on a single half a pound more than I should have put on. And if there is, there'll be hell to pay. That's like a, like a war field inside your own head, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, the nightmare. Because there'd also be another side of me that knew what I was doing wasn't a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm not a stupid person. Like, this this is pretty toxic. But it was compulsive by this point. Yeah. And it was just, it was reinforced, really. because I, Because I've always been in a smaller body as well. I didn't get any, I've been quite privileged in the fact that I didn't get body shamed by anybody. You know, there was no one picking on me, calling me fat, saying I looked ugly. I didn't get any of that. It was all me doing it to myself. And that came from, you know, this idea that all of my confidence, and I always say to people, like, be careful what compliments you give. Try and give balanced confidence because all my compliments were around, God, I wish I had your washboard stomach. Oh, you're so fit and healthy. Like, oh, my God, it's all physical stuff. Which just reinforced to me, like, that's really important. That's what people value in you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No one ever told me I was intelligent. Like, my one of my biggest beliefs was I'm stupid mm. because I got lower grades than my sister. Like, so, like, I would just put all of it in my physical appearance and think, well, if I put on weight, then who am I? I'm not that fit girl anymore with the washboard stomach. I'm just, there's nothing else about me that is likable or interesting or attractive. Which obviously we know is nonsense. <laughs> so how do but, you move forward now then? Now that you know oh, that. Now that I know that, yeah. And and look, it's still it can still be a minefield. Like I think every single one of us, if we as we get older, as our weight changes, as we do different things, 
things flare up a bit and then we've got to kind of wind yourself in and I think do you know what for me it was all about um probably like you when when obviously you had your injury and stuff it's I really had to home into putting my worth in other places so I didn't like you know I, I do work on like challenging my thoughts and stuff like that came up with weight but the biggest thing that helped me was to start seeing myself yeah. as a bigger picture. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And start, mm-hmm. um, start telling other people. Because what I would do, I always say to women, be careful of your own judgments. Yeah. Because I would think I was starting to accept myself, but I still held judgment towards other women with mm-hmm. different bodies or with different faces or with different... I would still be like, mm, yeah, but I'm, I'm fitter than you are. Or, oh, well, yeah, but at least I'm thinner than you. I would still do it, and it was toxic. Yeah. So on one breath, I'd be like... Oh yeah, but then the other bit, I'm like, yeah, but I'm still thin in the hair, so that makes me good. And I'm like, no, like I had to really work on that, and it took me a long time because I didn't realise that my judgments on other people was still really me judging myself. Wow. And deep. we do it. We look in magazines and go, oh, God, oh God, she looks, oh she looks rough. And what we're saying to our brain is, that's rough. So if you look like that, you look rough. And we're doing it all the time. Um, so I had to really catch myself on oh. what I was throwing out. Because we're listening all the time, aren't we? Yeah. Um, I'm basically just starting to go, right, let me just start to do some other stuff. Like, let me go to uni and, and study things and let me learn stuff. And to be fair, I don't like to tell him because he has a big enough head anyway. But, like, my partner, he's really black and white. Like, he's not, he's not going to entertain me. He's not going to – he once said to me, whatever you're doing here, whatever you're looking for, this validation, go and get it from yourself because I'm not interested. I'm not encouraging it. And I was like, oh. <gasps> Oh my god, he hates me. This boy's supposed to love me, and he's not validating the size of my bottom. But it really helped me because I wasn't going to get it from him. I wasn't going to get it, and I had to start being okay with not getting it, uh-huh. not getting the compliments, and still liking myself. Yeah. Um, and it just takes time, doesn't it? Just it's just slowly being around the people who don't encourage you to think a certain way as well, who mm-hmm. kind of aren't judging other people's, you know, because we can be doing stuff and we go, Do you know what? I'm not going to diet anymore like we sat in the office at work and we're like yeah no i'm not dieting anymore that is it and we go in we've got a balanced dinner but we're still listening to the other people having the conversation exactly. we're still listening to the other people flipping through cosmopolitan and body shaming everybody and we think that because we're not saying it it's okay but we're still listening to it mm. and our brain doesn't know the difference between fact and made up stuff so it's really really got to be careful aren't we Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Natalie, and sharing oh, all your wisdom. Oh, my pleasure. I hope that lots of women listening to this are having a contemplation about how they speak to themselves and what toxic conversations they're involved in when it comes I to body so. and judgment and everything. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Natalie. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Thank you. Hello and thank you for joining me on this episode of What Do You Know For Sure podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can do that across social media by searching and Hughes Ignite. If I refer to my radio show and the podcast, you can catch those on my Mixcloud. Again, just searching and Hughes Ignite. And if you or anybody you know want to answer this question with me, please do get in touch. Just go onto my website, anhughesignite.co.uk and fill in the contact page at the bottom and I'll be delighted to have this conversation with you too. Thank you.